Hi everyone, welcome to the Speech House podcast. My name is Jennifer Midon. I am a bilingual public speaking and leadership consultant and the host of the show, whose purpose is to help people improving their public speaking skills so they can become better communicators and leaders. When it comes to public speaking, people often pictures someone on a stage with thousands of people staring at him, and they are probably thinking that they will do everything in their power to avoid such experience. But one of the biggest misconceptions about public speaking is that we do it every day with our spouse or children when we are negotiating for something we really like, at work with our colleagues or with our bosses for that promotion. And when you are an entrepreneur, public speaking and being able to pitch is definitely something that you would like to master. And that's why I am thrilled to have our guest today, David Beckett. David is an international pitch coach who has trained over 2,000 startup and scale-up to win over 450 million in investment. He has also trained over 33,000 professionals in 29 countries at companies such as Booking.com, ING, Tommy Hilfinger, PwC, and Netflix, to name a few. He's also a TEDx coach who has trained over 30 speakers and is the author of the books Pitch to Win and Blue Moon Pitch. David, welcome to the Speech House podcast. Thanks very much. Very happy to be here. How are you today? Yeah, do, good. I'm a little cold, but uh, yeah, everything else is good. My my son's team lost football, but my daughter's won today. So there's okay. a sort of a plus and a minus. It's all yeah, good. It's, it's, it's a draw, <laughs> let's say. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> And um, I, I would like to I like to dig, you know, in the in people's story to understand more what they're doing, what they do. And um, as I was um, going through your book, Pitch to Win, I, I came across that that story with your first boss, uh, Mr. Lance yes. Thomas. If I'm correct. And uh, would you like to tell us how somehow he actually was at the origin of you getting involved in pitching? Yeah. So I started working with Canon, uh, the camera company. <clears throat> back in, well, shows my age, back in 1992. And uh, I was very lucky because Lance had worked in advertising for 20 years. And, you know, Lance was Mr. Pitch. He was the guy who could make a, a mouse look like an elephant. You know, he was fantastic at, at telling a big story. And I was completely the opposite. I'd, I'd never worked in an office before, so I was quite confused as to what was going on. And after a couple of months, I think he was wondering, what can we get him to do? And we had some people come to the office and visit. And uh, he said, OK, you, you do the presentation. We have a standard presentation about the company. And he saw that I sort of did it OK, gave me a lot of tips and tools uh, in the following weeks and months. And uh, luckily, it brought something out of me. It, it seemed to trigger something in me that enabled me to show, OK, this is the kind of person, this is the kind of professional I am or could be. And uh, and because he saw that, he then kind of pushed me to make that a, a, a kind of a focus skill. And it helped me a lot in the coming years. You know, I worked for Canon for 16 years and went from being a, a marketing assistant to a country director. And that was definitely one of the skills that helped me make that path and, and take that journey. That's a great story. And, and prior to that, were you comfortable with public speaking? 
I had barely done it. And that's actually something I hear quite often. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you uh, I've asked lots and lots of people, when was the first time you got public speaking training? And most people say either at university or uh, at their first or second job. And I, I didn't get any training in it at all at university. We, it was never a topic, actually. And uh, in my first couple of jobs, nobody talked about it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was very common. Um, I had no idea what public speaking was, actually. And I was already 25. I was already uh, well into my professional career. It's it's quite interesting um, because I, I did my, my university in the U.S. And uh, one of the things that um, was really standing out for me was that everyone had to take a public speaking class, regardless of what you wanted to do, whether you wanted to be a rocket scientist or, or politician, you had to take that class. And I think wow. it really helped, like you, like you said, because most people actually, um, and in France, the, the experience that we have with public speaking is usually when we are little and we have to, you know, um, say by heart poetry. And usually yes. there is always that, that episode where you miss a line and then the teacher completely grills you in front of everyone. And yeah. I had a lot of clients who told me that, that because of that, they decided that they will never speak in public again. So it's yeah. interesting that you, you share a similar experience with people like not being trained to do yeah. that. And I see it with my kids. Um, you know, if, if I could do a TED talk, if I could ever do a TEDx talk, it would be on the topic of why don't we treat, uh, why don't we teach young people public speaking before they get terrified of it? And yeah. uh, my uh, my daughter has been doing talks in front of the class for, I think, three or four years. And my oh. son had his first couple of them last year. And oh. after the, the first one, the second one was coming up. And we were talking about it. And he just burst into tears oh. talking about the preparation out of nowhere. And uh, I asked him why. And he said exactly the thing. You know, some, somebody had laughed at, in the first talk. We don't know whether they were laughing at him, but somebody had laughed yeah. and he'd taken that as a, a as a criticism. And so when it came to preparing for the next one, he found that really confronting. So uh, but actually we use my method for uh, their talks as well. So that 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 is helping them out. Oh, that's 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 great. And, and yeah, you're right. It's it's something I think we we are very vulnerable at that moment, you know, standing Absolutely. in front of people. So it, it definitely needs some some trainings and and, uh, and and way to to reduce the stress. Um, talk a lot about like pitching when you're an entrepreneur. Yes. And I, I like to ask you, are there different type of pitches? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I would say basically you can separate it into let's call it the glory pitch. And that's the one where it's maybe one minute, three minutes. It's on stage. You tend to be in amongst a group of other startups, maybe at a conference or at a demo day for an accelerator program. Uh, and the, the goal of the, the glory pitch is to get into the next stage of pitching, which is to have a meeting and to have a combination of pitching and conversation. And the two things are quite mixed you tend to start with a, a short pitch and then it goes into a conversation. It's still a form of pitching. But uh, I think those are the two biggest differences. I mean, there's also the fact that we are we tend to think of pitching as, say, for startups, pitching for investors. But like you said in the introduction, we're pitching anytime we want somebody to take some action, anytime we want them to come along with us. And that could be to a new employee, it could be to a potential business partner or a, a technology partner. 
it, it could be lots of different situations, not just for investment for entrepreneurs. So I think there's there's a couple of classic things where they have to do it, that glory pitch, investor pitch. But there's a lot of other situations as well where they have to tell their story in no time at all. Yeah, and um, and and one of them that that is probably like one of the most famous that we always often hear, and and I would like to have your take on that is the elevator pitch, the, yes. the so-called elevator pitch, and and uh, and to me I always wonder first of all like do you really get to to pitch an investor in the elevator, and uh, and <laughs> it's always very more like a, you know Wall Street back in the eighties type of type yeah. of thing. And um, I would like to to have your your opinion on that. Like, is is it such a thing that the elevator mm. pitch? Well, I've asked hundreds of people this question actually because I in my uh, workshops I do an exercise called the handshake pitch. So I introduce it as it's a short pitch, that moment when someone says, "What do you do?" We get that question very often and people yes. immediately think of the elevator pitch. But I've asked actually thousands of people, have you ever pitched in an elevator? And I would <laughs> say it's one in 30, maybe. Oh, wow. So people do yeah. sometimes. But the handshake pitch now, of course, handshakes weren't so popular for a couple of years, um, yes. but it's making a comeback. It became a fist bump pitch. And that moment when, say, you're at a network event or you meet somebody, if you're working in a company, you meet somebody for the first time or, or a customer, you shake hands. And then they say, so what do you do? And what we tend to uh, have is that we're not really ready for that question. And so quite often we ramble, tell too much information, or we say something like, oh, yeah, um, it's a bit complicated, actually, but let me try to explain. And of course, for the person on the other side, they're not looking for a complicated answer. They're looking for a quick check in. Do we have value for each other? I think that's the purpose of the question. What do you do? And once we've established whether or not we've got value for each other, then we can go the next level and start exploring the details. But the value is expressed in a very short pitch. So I give people a formula for a a four sentence, 25 second pitch, which is already a little bit long, honestly. But people are so used to like two minute, three minute answer that the 25 seconds is already a step forward. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I always tell people that you, you have about 20 seconds to, to catch the attention because and, yeah. and you're very correct about you know the it's complicated I, every yeah. time i'm an event and i hear someone saying that i'm just like okay what you manage is that everybody's just now is going to stop listening because this is yeah. not it's not the place but before we, we get into the um your your method the pitch canvas method um uh, i want to follow up on on what you just said about networking events are there places or moments where you should never approach an investor or someone to to pitch in your in your idea. I think it's always good to be out there telling your story in some shape or form. Um, what you do find is that sometimes there's a moment where it's just one pitch too many. You know, investors are getting to hear pitches. So I think it's about maybe the approach. There might be a situation where you get to talk to an investor. Um, it's a relatively social situation, perhaps after the network event and after the, the the first networking bit, maybe it's just drinks afterwards. So my suggestion there is really just start to get to know the people, ask them, so what kind of investments do you do? What what are you interested in? Which trends in the industry are really capturing your attention? 
and try to find out what's on their mind because they may mention something, say they're interested in a certain technology or a, a certain development in business, and that might be connected to you. And then you might say, well, it's interesting because we're also working on something along those lines. But because you've shown interest in them, there's a good chance that they'll say, oh, interesting, tell me about it. So I think there's a, there is a moment not to be uh, actively pitching, just gathering information. But yes. uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of taking your platform. So if you have an opportunity to do that glory pitch, then do it. But be a bit smart about when to uh, make that pitch to investors. It's always good to ask questions from people. Yeah, and like you said, yeah, asking questions and, and getting in really interested, um, you know, in other people. I, I had um, yeah. young startups a few months ago, and they were first time they were going to go to the US, and uh, and I told them, well, you're going to meet people. You might want to do some research and 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 you know mm. get to know them. And they they looked at me and they were like, wait, do you want us to to go online and and do research? And I said, well, do you think that perhaps spending three hours researching the people you're going to meet is worth an investment. And then they were like, oh, yeah, well, actually, they were just not aware. And I think it's important also to say mm. that it's important to get to know other people and to genuinely have an interest. Um, yeah. So like you just like you just mentioned. So, yeah, you, you created the, the pitch canvas um, yes. method. And could you explain what it is and um, what and how it can help um, entrepreneurs to to draw better pitches? Sure. So I think for a lot of, uh, of startups, when they get started, they, they don't have any, uh, firstly, they don't have money, they don't have uh, tools in their hands. And I've asked a lot of early stage startups, what do you do? <coughs> Excuse me. What do you do when you're looking for help uh, for creating a pitch? Quite often, what people say is they go on YouTube, they maybe watch a couple of Y Combinator videos, a couple of other things. But at a certain moment, they feel like they've got bits and pieces, but it's, it's really difficult to know what to do. And they just start making a slide deck. And as a result of that, what tends to happen is it gets a bit random. And so you just have to go through the process of pitching and finding out what's going wrong. My idea with the pitch canvas was to give them a basis to get started with. And the way I developed it was I spoke to investors to find out what do you want to hear? What do you need to know from startups? And of course, working with startups, what do you want to tell? And ideally, these two things are meeting. So that working with the pitch canvas doesn't mean you'll get an investment. No pitch means that. But it, what it does mean is that you're talking at the level that they're interested in. You're talking about the topics that they're interested in. So what's interesting is that the investors are not interested in what the startups are interested in. We, startups no. want to focus on product because that's what they're working on. But for the investors, that's really just the starting point. And the pitch canvas runs through 11 pieces of content, um, which follows the way that the investors are thinking. Yes. So um, following up on what we were saying about being interesting in the other person, how important it is for an entrepreneur when um, he or she is drafting um, the pitch to, to think about the receiving person who's going to hear that pitch? It's incredibly important, really, because we know that people don't have much attention available. They've got very limited attention spans. And even if you get a 30-minute meeting with an investor, for example, they've told me that within the first minute or two that the startup goes into a mental bucket 
uh, and the three the three mental buckets. One is yes, this sounds interesting. Tell me more. The second one is mm, maybe let's see how it goes, which almost always ends up in the third one, which is no, this is not for me. And and they mm. tell me it's once you've done that, it's really difficult for the startup to get out of that one of those buckets. Mm-hmm. So the the goal is to get your absolute best stuff that is mostly relevant for them. Now, if you think about uh, what investors are looking for. An investor isn't necessarily looking for a brilliant product. What they're actually looking for is a huge opportunity that hasn't been solved yet uh, and a team that has, to some extent, executed on that. They've created a product and they've engaged with customers. Now, that's, that's pretty much the basis. A huge unserved problem, mm-hmm. a, a team that understands that problem, creates a product and engages with customers. So that's where traction comes in or validation. And once they've got those things and they feel motivation, energy from the startup, if you can get that across in the first two minutes, then they will start listening to more details. They'll be interested in more details, more that question of, okay, that sounds interesting. How do you do that? But what tends to happen is startups want to focus on how we do it, what we're working on. Then if you think about pitching to customers, I think that's a really different pitch because customers don't care about market size, for example. They don't care about a a big problem. They care about, I've got this problem. Can you fix it? How quickly? (laughs) What's it going to cost me? How much time, energy? What's the implementation process? So I think tuning into the audience and being clear on what your objective is, especially tuning into the audience because you've got limited time. You have to make decisions about what you're going to put in the pitch and take out based on their interests not what we want to tell so I totally agree focusing on the audience to start off with seems so obvious but most people are head down work on slides we need to get our heads up look around see what's happening in the audience's world and then tune our story to that yeah you're absolutely right and and I'm always um, baffled when I go to conferences and I just see people give keynotes for instance and they're just talking to themselves and and I always wonder why don't you consider the audience and and mm. in your book you you there is this passage where you you actually say don't open powerpoint um before yes. you, you start working on your pitch because i think it's it's sometimes we we get trapped and, and it was funny because as i was reading that i was preparing a presentation and i was caught up in the technicalities because what you mentioned in the book is that yeah. Start opening PowerPoint, you you wonder, do you need to put things in bold or whatever? And and it's that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's really I, funny. I do it myself sometimes. It's uh, yeah. it's so tempting. You think, okay, I know basically what I want to tell, so let's get the slides done. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really encouraging everybody first to get clear on who's the audience, what do they care about, what's on their mind, and which parts of our story fit that. What's their objective or rather, what's your objective? Do you want a meeting? Do you want to get a a pilot? Do you want a first next step, a working session? What is it you want them to do? And and then start brainstorming rather than working on the slides. Just get the story straight. The pitch canvas is a great tool for brainstorming, Um, you know, using post-it notes, get the thoughts out of your head rather than trying to jam all your thoughts straight into the software. Uh, yes, so and I, I like. Um, sorry. Please go ahead. 
No, no, I was, I was saying that I, I, I liked uh, in the book that, you know, for, for each uh, part of the pitch canvas, you actually say, okay, stop, take five minutes and then do this and then do the exercise. So like you said, yeah. it's a way to empty the brain so people can actually don't feel like, okay, I have to have everything together. I can yeah. do step by step. So that, that's very helpful. Yeah. And I think, um, again, thinking about most startups where they most need help uh, in pitching tends to be in the first six months. You know, once yes. you get past the first six to 12 months, you start getting experience. You start learning just by doing. But when you're in that first six to 12 months, you, you're really hunting around for the right way. Now, of course, once you're past that, you can still improve and you can still get a lot of help. Of but to get started and, and not waste a lot of time, actually, um, you just want to know which topics should you tell and yeah. uh, which, what's going to help you get there quicker. And sometimes instead of just thinking, okay, we need to make a slide on the problem, instead put the software aside and think, okay, what could be everything we might say about the problem? How big is it? How much time or, or money is lost or how much frustration is created today or how much energy is wasted? How many materials are wasted? What, how many tons of emissions? Then what do we do? next that's that's brainstorm what we could tell on the product then let's talk about the impact so i think just taking it piece by piece it, it tends to break things down so you can focus on okay what could be everything we say about the problem what could be everything we say about the product and then you take a step back and think okay we've got this amount of time this audience let's just focus on these three key pain points let's focus on these three or four things about the product and, and narrow it down depending on the time available Yes, and um, do, do you think that um, it is it is hard for for startups in general to ask for what they want? And because you, you said um, at first, okay, they need to to understand what the problem is and also to to say what the objective is. The reason why I'm asking this is because I see often um, when I work with early stage startups that when the ask, you know, when they have to, hmm. to tell what they want, whether it's investment money or like you said, some mentoring or maybe like next stage or or um, clinical help or, I mean, yeah. Um, or yes, it seems that it's hard to articulate that. Is it something that you've experienced working with, with startups? Yeah, I think if you're pitching to an investor, it's it's fairly clear. If the if the goal number one goal is money, it's yeah. fairly clear. Although what you sometimes find is that startups say, "Well, we need between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand." And I've heard from investors that's really a red flag. They want to hear a specific number. Is it one hundred and fifty or two hundred? Challenge for startups is it is elastic. It depends on the deal. There's lots of things that influence whether they'll take one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand. But in the pitch, we need to be clear that. That band gives doubt and hesitation. And anything that's about doubt or hesitation leaves the, the investor thinking, I'm not sure. And, and that's enough for them to say no, because their default position is actually saying no. Uh, and so I, I think first, uh, if it's money, then be sp very specific. If it's not money, if it's more like help or advice, I think it's helpful to remember that people really like giving help. They really like making introductions. They really like it if you say, you know, could you get, could we get an introduction in, say, this part of retail to this kind of role? And people like to come up afterwards and say, hey, I, I know someone in this company. Oh, maybe I can connect you, you know, and that's, that's fine. F feed that, that desire from people. 
and uh, give them an opportunity to help because people like to help actually if they can they will yeah that's that's a great point um, people are for, afraid to to ask for help and then you, you don't necessarily need mm. money and like you said in the first six months you you need to just understand what's going on and then there's a lot of things and people always feel like oh they have to ask for money right away when sometimes yeah. you what you you might need the most is some some advice so it's it's a really good point um yeah. going on that topic do you think that there is a different way uh, to to pitch when you are a startups and a scale up? Yes, so I think um, it's interesting because I've I've followed some of my early stage teams into the scale up phase. Okay, and there was one company called Signaturet where I helped them with their demo day pitch in early stage in 2014, and then they had another pitch in 2018, which was a, a more a scale up pitch, yeah. and. I had videos of the two and I coached them on both of them. But then I took a step back and said, okay, what what do you see as the basic differences? And what you see clearly is, for example, in an early stage pitch, I think you're pitching a, a pain, a dream and a team. And there, your personal motivation, your personal story even, can really be a key factor in that. But once you're in scale-up uh, territory, people are a bit less interested in the the, the passion part and the, the motivation part. They're really interested in traction, proof, customer yeah. usage, customer retention, cost of acquisition. They're really metric base. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that a, a story doesn't matter. I mean, for example, I coached a team called Peerby recently. He's been going 10 years. It's all about the sharing economy. He's now got one in four households in Amsterdam on his platform and they are sharing things like tools or toys or all sorts of things instead of buying new things. But they've been going 10 years and and finally they're really scaling up fast. I think his personal story, why didn't he give up, is is Mm -hmm. highly relevant. Um, Equally for a lot of companies, once you, you know, if you've been going three, four, five years and you're starting to get one or two million ARR, people are really interested in your metrics, and then where are you going? How will you grow? Rather than, you know, the and also very focused on competition. Whereas in early stage, competition's important, but you really need to focus on what is it that you're working on, the value that you're delivering. And uh, so there's a lot of differences between the, the early stage and the scale-up pitch. Some of the topics might be similar, but the focus, how much you would tell. I mean, one more thing on that, for Signature it. <clears throat> In the early stage, we were trying to convince everybody that the pain was there. But if you've got customers, that's the proof. So you don't need to convince people. You just need to show that people are buying it. So we spent ages on the pain in a seven-minute pitch in 2014. But in 2018, it was like four sentences, five sentences. Then customer, customer, customer. This is what they're doing. This is why they love it. This is what how we're getting more customers. So it it was very different in terms of how much we talked about certain topics as well as which topics we talked about. It, it's very interesting, you know, that you, 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 and you did it really well to, to break down the differences because we often hear, and, and yesterday I was, I was talking to a client and um, he's not involved in the startup world, but he was telling me, oh, you know, um, as long as the, the person has, you know, the passion and I, I will follow. And I said, well, this is only the beginning of it. Because especially when the further you go, well, we need depth. 
it's important to have depth and that's what you, you were mentioning like yeah. the passion story is important maybe at the beginning but as you're going on on your on your scaling up journey uh, definitely there is a need for for more depth and traction and proof that uh, your yeah. solution is working yeah it's definitely sure. about execution doing doing the work getting things done and uh, and showing proof and yeah. uh, all the passion in the world it you know the passion helps you to do those things that's for sure if yes. you're genuinely focused i mean that that guy uh, from Peerbee, for example that i just mentioned he I asked him why didn't you give up and and he said there was a time when I was thinking of giving up but somebody else that he knew just left just closed their company and they said yeah you know it was it's not like your company at Peerby it's not like it really matters you know we were making such and such but your company it actually really matters I mean you could make a difference to people and he was like yeah I need to remind myself that we we can actually make a difference in in the world and that he said that gave him a kind of a re-energizing feeling and, and, and drove him forward. But ultimately, you know, that passion of making a difference, it's really combined with the ability to do what you plan and, and execute on the, on the plan, make it happen. But yeah, the passion story can, can make a difference. But like you say, the further you go, the more depth people are looking for. No, that's a that's a great story. It's sometimes you know all all you need is, and that's why it's important. You know, you said okay, people like to help. Sometimes we tend to forget mm. because everything around tries to you know divide mm. us and and make us think that we all hate each other when actually we like yeah. to help each other. Absolutely. And uh, and and sometimes you know, like you said, a conversation like this actually gives you uh, the extra push to to keep going and then it actually turned out to be to be a good success story so it's also good to 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 remind us um the this kind of of things do you um you've been working in um 29 countries and, and coached yes. over 30,000 people and have you noticed um common things uh when it comes to public speaking common traits that people share regardless of their culture um background yeah so you do see some some differences i've coached in asia in america in europe um my 30th country is coming up actually and tunisia will be the 31st so that, that's oh, also wow. coming up um but uh, uh i would say the common things are very simply that people want to focus on the details of what they're working on doesn't matter whether that's america asia um you know taiwan or netherlands where i'm living we because we work on something day in day out that's what we want to talk about so uh, that and and yet when you're in the position of the listener you're rarely convinced by the seventh detail you're normally convinced by two or three details so oh. i think that's that's one thing other things are that people consistently overestimate time and mm -hmm. uh time means something different for everybody uh and and unfortunately or or fortunately Time is so incredibly precious. So we need to respect people's time and and get to the point as quickly as we can, whether that's a timed pitch of three minutes or indeed a customer meeting, getting the value across as opposed to the process and the history. You know, that that's that's what people are looking for. What's the value as quickly as possible? So I'd say that's that's a very common trait. And maybe one more thing is really uh, the focus on uh slides first creating slides jamming content into slides yeah. and <clears throat> what i've learned 
from these 10 years of doing this job is, you know, the slides have a really important part, but it's about uh, key messages, especially when you're presenting just key messages, uh, easy to process visuals, icons, one or two keywords, one headline, and not much more. Whereas the world over, people are jamming information into PowerPoint. And that's understandable, you know, start typing on any template in PowerPoint and hey, presto, bullet points come up. Look at any template in any large company, it's jammed with bullet points. So the the, the goal is to take a step back and ask, why am I putting slides up there? And, and tune into that, thinking about the audience. So I would say those are three big common things, you know, focusing on product, uh, time, and yeah, jamming slides with information. And of course, that's my job to help them come out of that and, and, and raise their level. Yeah, and, and that's that's a big one. The, the, the jamming content, content, jamming content on the on the slides is a big thing. And I always tell yeah. people, when you do that, um, you lose the audience because what do you do when you see something on, on the screen? You read it, and yeah. while you, while you're reading, they're not listening to you. Yes. So it's it's something that helps. But but we're all tempted to do that. It, it's really yeah. hard to not write things because we all always scared that oh maybe it's not enough. But less is more in that case. I will say, yeah, definitely. for sure. And um, what are some of the trends in pitching that you? perhaps I've seen emerging or coming back uh, over the past 10 years? Well, it's interesting because if I think about these 10 years, honestly, the things that work are not that much different to what, what, what I saw 10 years ago. If I had to really pinpoint, I mean, of course, products and technologies and the things that people are pitching uh, are completely changing. And one big thing that has changed is impact, uh, impact pitching compared to just tech pitching. I would say more than 50% of my work now is with impact-focused companies. Uh, And that's a a big difference. And of course, the way that you pitch an impact business is a bit different to a typical tech business because the the returns might not only be about, you know, 10x and more, it might be a lesser return on your money, but bigger impact. So those things have changed. I would say, though, the very basic thing of what I mentioned earlier, you know, huge problem that needs to be solved that mm-hmm. isn't solved now. And then putting a team of get, a team of people together that are passionate about solving that and then doing the work to make it happen. These have been pretty constant over the thousands of startups I've worked with and the, the all the workshops and companies I've worked on. Um, yeah, so I would say not much has changed, but the content or the the heart and soul of what people are pitching of course that is changing a lot yeah interesting and um you you also a tedx coach and uh, yes. i'd like to to talk about about this a bit and uh do, do you see um differences or similarities when you are coaching for ted uh, tedx speech and where versus a, hmm. a, a startup pitch there are some similarities and some differences. I would say the biggest similarity is, although a TEDx talk is longer, what people yeah. tend to be pitching or presenting, uh, pitching is my, my Freudian slip, they're presenting uh, or talking about 
you know, some pretty big topics. I coached on the uh, TEDx CERN event in uh, in Switzerland a couple of times where they're doing, you know, Hadron Collider's super science. And okay. the level that the people there are working at is is beyond anything I can imagine. You know, I just felt like my brain was like a pea compared to these people. <laughs> but the task is somehow the same. You know, take something that, that's super technical that you as an individual understand and bring it into a, a format that people can also understand who are not super technical. So some of the similarities, for example, the first uh, seconds, the first 20 seconds, uh, having a plan for what you're going to tell and going straight into the story, capturing people's attention, uh, having yes. a plan for the end. Uh, yes. the, the power of three is a great way to focus people's attention and for you to focus as a speaker on something that really matters. So I think those there's a number of things which really uh, are, are very similar. I think the biggest difference is, of course, length. And uh, personally, I find coaching on TEDx much more difficult because it's much more open. It could go in lots of different ways. Whereas a pitch tends to have, you know, there's a there's a restriction, there's limited time. There are certain things that investors especially want to know. And if it's not investors, I've researched what customers want to know. And, and so there is a kind of a limited number of topics. But for TEDx, it could go any direction. And uh, so I find it I find it more more challenging. Um, but I did it to, to indeed challenge myself as a professional. And, uh, you know, when you're coaching somebody who is recording the sound of two black holes colliding millennia ago and trying to or looking for dark matter or yeah. recording the sound of uh, of climate change, you know, the. These are pretty big ideas. Yeah, and then your sure. challenge, how do you, what do you do? Do you try to understand what dark matter is and, and yeah. why people are looking for it in the dark, which I, I never quite understood. <laughs> but, it, you know, joking aside, I, you know, I, I sort of let go of, of deep understanding and focus more on giving them a framework to find the story that they want to tell and also focusing on their objective. Do they want to convince the people in the room? Or do they want to convince the people who will watch the video? And mostly people are looking to convince the people who watch the video. And then you've got to bring that story in a, a less technical way. You know, when, you, yeah. when the people in TEDx CERN are presenting, they're presenting 600 people who are mostly connected to CERN, super technical, mm -hmm. clever people on the technical yeah. side. But you and I are watching that with our backgrounds. We could be inspired by some of the things they bring in, but not by the deep technology around it more the result so that's where the task comes in so you know it's a fascinating task to do that uh good as a professional to be challenged with that but pitching is really my like my number one thing that I, I focus on that I do every day but I love to help those people tell their story on TEDx as well that's great. Uh, I, I work with, with several speakers for, for TEDx and you're absolutely right about mm -hmm. you can go anywhere. One of the things uh, for me that I found the, the hardest is actually to to gain the trust first because, mm. you know, if like you said, if it's in a very scientific-driven um, type of, of TEDx, it might mm. not be um, an issue, but a lot of time people share personal stories and then you 
it's kind of your role to um, find the words to say it's okay to share those things and mm. it's not going to be in, in, in a um, too open way and, and, and kind of help them to, to write their stories. Is there something you, mm. you will agree with? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think trust, especially where you're working, probably you had the same thing with, with those TEDx events. It's quite a long task. You meet yes. them three, four times over a long period, some some months, and then meet them the day before. And yeah. uh, it's pretty intensive. I mean, for them, it's the talk of their life. It's going to be filmed. Sure. It will be yes. on YouTube. And whatever happens, it that is going to be lasting for the rest of their life. From that right. moment, they're a TEDx speaker. And people will always say, so send me the link. And if it doesn't go well, you've, you've yeah. missed an opportunity. But if it yeah. goes well, it's fabulous. So, yeah, trust telling uh, your personal story, which is a key part of TEDx, I think, and uh, being able to, to bring that story. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's their, their goal, but it's also yeah, our task to help them do that. Yeah, and uh, so we, we we talked about you know you you work with uh, over two thousand startups and scale up, and I and I wonder uh, you also have your business of course, but I wonder do you ever feel the itch to um, have your own uh, startup yourself or no? <laughs> well, I've had a couple of little forays into that. I joined one startup, um, and honestly, that didn't go well. I was there for two and a half months. It was back in two thousand fifteen. That's another story. Um, okay. <laughs> but what I did do in 2019, I, I decided to join uh, a startup program uh, with, a, with a goal to explore whether I could uh, make coaching scalable and also to put myself through what my clients go through. So I joined a, a small uh, program called Present Your Startup and uh, I managed to get to the final and I, I pitched, you know, I have two, two aspects of scaling, which is an online academy and uh, a kind of a franchise model for my methodology. And uh, the short version is I managed to win the competition and got into conversations with investors. But I quickly learned that what an investor want, would want me to do is to build a coaching company with coaches and tools and products and so on. But I'm a coach. I like coaching people. I, I, I don't want to make a company that manages people who coach people. So I came to the conclusion that actually that's that's not me. The thing I love doing is standing in front of people, sitting in front of people, working one-to-one -one, or helping a group of people in a workshop to do it. I've done my workshop more than 1,100 times in wow. different shapes or forms. And, you know, you can think, wow, that must be so boring. But I, I love it every single time. It's, uh, it's a different audience, different people with different challenges. And over the years, I've built the tools that... I'm pretty certain will help them. And so you go there with a, like a toolkit that you can just open up yeah. and bring out the different tools as you go, depending on what they need. And uh, that's such a joy, you know. So, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. Um, what I am going to do is I'm going to be part of an organization which is uh, advocating for big oil to change its policies. So an okay. organization called Follow This. As of yeah. this month, I'm a volunteer there. Um, and I have an idea to be pitching their concept uh, in various conferences and even in startup events. But that's a whole other story. Um, but the short version is I love coaching. Uh, yeah. That's what I'll do. And as long as I can, I'm allowed to do it, I'll keep doing it until I, I finish work. 
That's wonderful. And uh, we are wrapping up the, the interview. And um, do you have a final advice for entrepreneurs uh, to, to feel more confident and more comfortable uh, when pitching? Yeah, I think the, the biggest uh, thing is, is, to, is to go out there and do it. You know, take the tools that are there. Um, the pitch canvas can help them to get started with the, the key messaging and to package your story and don't be afraid to go out there and, and tell it. Take an opportunity, take, go, go to a network event, talk about what you're doing. Even if you're at very early stage and you haven't really got that much to talk about, you've only got your vision to talk about, then go and, and do that. What I've found is that verbalizing the story helps you to find the words and the phrases And even before you've created a product or when you're just in the process of creating, talking about it helps you get clear on what you're trying to achieve. And when you do have a product or even you're going further down the line, that verbalizing it will help you in communicating it better later down the line. So my advice to anybody in business is go out and take your platform. Any platform you get to tell about what you're working on, take that platform. And, and doing it again and again will help you find the right words, build your confidence, build your experience so that you're further down the line, then it'll feel like, well, this is normal. I'm always pitching. And once you get to that stage, then it's it's a good situation to be in. It's a good feeling to do a great pitch. That's that's great. So that's a great way to end uh, an interview. Um, is there like a next project that you would like to share or um, platforms that uh, we can follow you on before we uh, we say goodbye? Yeah, I think the best place to, to find me is at best3minutes.com. And uh, the pitch canvas is there for free. There's, there's some other tools uh, there for free. And uh, you know, I'm always looking to, to help people. That's the purpose of the free tools is help people get started. If they need more help, great, I can help them. But uh, uh, for a lot of people, it's just I need to find out where, how on earth can I do this thing called pitching? And best3minutes.com is a good place to start. David, thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if you haven't done it yet, please subscribe or share this episode with someone you believe might need it. And until next time, stand tall, speak up, and share your story. The world needs it. Bye.